0: Carlson, Carlson, världens bästa Carlson, Carlson, Carlson,
1: Carlson Hoj, här kommer Carlson, 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 Carlson. Ingen faktiskt, ingen annan Carlson, det är jag så bra
0: som mig Carlson, Carlson, Carlson scores!
1: Carlson! Yeah. Carlson! Yes. Yes. Welcome everybody to another now, episode of the Keeping Carlson Fantasy Hockey long Podcast, long the longest long running fantasy long. hockey podcast in the world, hosted by two guys who as of now are still in the lineup. We're not being held out because of trade purposes. We'll see what happens in a couple hours. I'm your host, Elon Dubrowski, and with me to break down some trades, injuries, like outjuries, hot streaks, cold streaks, we're going to have it all in this mega episode. It's going to be me, and it's going to be the fantasy hockey robot, the poobah of prognostication the IPP MVP himself, Brian Kahn. Brian, how is it going on this fine Sunday evening?
0: It's good, Elon. I'm very happy to be here. Hello to you. Hello, everybody listening. We are thrilled to have you back for another week of fantasy hockey like there's a lot going on right now right like is elon you alluded to in your opening the classic elon opening joke uh, there's a lot of moving pieces everyone waits even for know.
1: everyone waits for that elon opening joke
0: <laughs> i think i think some people end the podcast after that they just want to find out what the <laughs> joke was this week uh, but there's so many parts moving and like with returns not even clear. Like, we're hearing about trades that happen and not hearing about the returns for, like, hours later. And we're also hearing about players who just aren't playing repeatedly, which, I mean, I feel for you. I I have Shikran in one of my leagues. And it's not fun. It's a tough time. But the the light is at the end of the tunnel for seeing all the dust settle and every player get back into action. Let's hope for like no visa issues for any of these guys who've been sitting out for a while. And I'm excited to break down what's happened so far and uh, what hasn't happened yet. And of course, we'll cover the rest through the week on short shifts in our next mega show. But Elon, I'm fired up. I'm ready to go.
1: Yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. I really hate the uh, players sitting out. Uh, I'm starting a playoff matchup against you, Brian. I don't know if you're aware of this, but in our... I didn't week, know. We're playing each other in the playoffs next week. I happen to have one Patrick Kane, and Chicago has a great schedule. They play Monday and Tuesday to start the week, and he's not going to play.
0: Yeah, and he's not going to yeah, play for New York. They're going to wait until the last possible minute for cap purposes. Ugh. That stinks for you. But, but I if it makes you feel better, I've got Shikrin. I know. So like, I, we're, we're both suffering here.
1: Yeah. And I was thinking of dropping Gosses Behere for someone in that league to get someone with a good schedule for next week and now he just scored a goal today and I feel like I can't so I don't even know what to do but I'll figure that out after the show Brian we got a lot to get to like you said so let's dive in Uh, of course after mentioning keeping Carlson proudly presented by Dobberhockey.com if you've never gone to Dobberhockey this is going to be the week to do it because I love how whenever there's a trade they have an article up there written by someone very smart and they like you know break down the trade the fantasy impact and then at the end they have that handy list of like which players kind of gained value and which players lost value I always find it really nice to read it over I always check it out whenever there's a trade that's the first place I go so check it out Dobberhockey.com Brian Okay. So let's, let's start with the biggest trade that happened probably this whole season. And we don't even know, like you said, the full return, but we know that Timo Meyer is going to the New Jersey Devils. It's been like tweeted by Pierre Lebrun. I think we can, can consider this official. Uh, you were telling me that you were seeing that we know some of the return. Chayna Goldman let us know. There's a first going back, which like obviously, and then Zetterland, which, okay, I feel like there's going to have, I was thinking like maybe a Holtz or something, but I don't need to speculate. Probably by the time people are listening, they'll know who else the Sharks got for Timo Meyer. But wow. So this fantasy impact is huge. Like the Devils. Levels are already so good. They just spanked the Philadelphia Flyers on Saturday to the tune of seven nothing with a stack top six, and now it's just gotten even more stacked. Like to look at the lines, they were running Hishir, Tatar, and Mercer, the red hot Dawson Mercer, who we'll definitely get to, and then Jack Hughes with Brat and Sharanovich. So I feel like probably Myers bumping like a Tatar or a Sharanovich. He's gonna like obviously he's gonna be playing with either Hishir or Hughes. So uh, first off, just on Timo Meyer himself. This is for sure good news, right? Like San Jose was struggling. He's like, you know, like it's gotten a little cold lately. Now he's going to be playing with a superstar, like for sure. Top power play. I'd assume like Palat has been on the top power play. Like forget this guy. Now it's going to be like he Brat Hughes, Meyer uh, and Hamilton. I'm assuming like, that'd be crazy if not. Right. So like, do you agree with me that this is like Timo Meyer managers should be like very happy with this outcome?
0: It definitely can't be bad for Timo Meyer. I think that's the summary. My question is: is like, can it get much better for Meyer in New Jersey? Right? Like, I'm not sure. Again, I don't think this will have a negative impact at all. Um, but Meyer this season is doing basically exactly what we thought he would: 75 point pace, four and a half shots per game, 112 hits already, 18 power play points. So, like, the power play production is there. Uh, the shots are there the hits are there the points like I, we could have maybe hoped for a few more by now but I don't think a, a whole lot more and Elon as you said yeah he's been uh, just just one point in his last five games and uh, a lot of losing for the Sharks happening as well so now he goes to a New Jersey team that has the puck more often than not and I think that will benefit um, but my question is is just generally or what I'm going to be watching to see is like playing with Hughes, if he plays with Hughes, is an upgrade. Playing with Heeshier, I think, is at least a lateral move. And, uh, you know, he's leaving Eric Carlson, but he's uh, becoming a teammate of Dougie Hamilton. Plus, he has that other winger that's going to be with him, like Jesper Brat, potentially. So, we're gonna be watching to see what happens with Timo Meyer in New Jersey, but I think the good news is it's less likely in New Jersey that Timo Meyer is going this is my my gut feel anyway, that Timo Meyer is going to be on any kind of cold streak as a devil that he's just coming out of in his final stretch as a San Jose Shark.
1: Yeah, only one point in his last five games. And yeah, San Jose just struggles to score. Like a lot of these games are just like they only scored one or two goals. New Jersey scores a lot of goals, so he's going to be on the ice for goals. I think this is great for him. Uh, I am curious since we're on New Jersey. And again, we don't even know like who they're sending back. They might be sending back Dawson Mercer, though that would be, I feel like the Devils, if they're going on a run here, they probably want to send someone who's not like someone who's a key part of their lineup. But yeah. The
0: weird part is that we we have heard that Dawson Mercer is not part of the return. We don't know what the return is, but we've, Appa- the s- sources say it won't be Mercer.
1: Okay, perfect. So then we can talk about him because this guy is so hot right now. He has eight goals in his last six games. He scored in every game, a couple of them twice. He's just, uh, you know, what the hottest guy in the league. Meyer's going to come. I'm like, I guess I'm kind of assuming, but we don't even know. Right? We're going to have to see lines. It's going to be a big week of short shifts going through all the updated lines as we see the dust settle here. But assuming Mercer sticks with Heischer and maybe and Meyer or something like, obviously Mercer is not going to continue this stretch but i'm curious to know brian if he's still available in free agency in people's leagues should they be like jumping on mercer like almost like irregard i guess we could say like before and after the meyer news and if that changed anything but i was already going to ask you this going into today like what are we making of this dawson mercer hot because for most of the season he's been pretty bled but also for a lot of the season he's been in the bottom six he's been like in- on the third line all of a sudden he's playing with he and just going gangbusters
0: well, you might as well call Dawson Mercer Laura Jane Grace because he was against me this week, and it really hurt. I considered adding Dawson Mercer at the outset. Uh, I chose Sharangovich instead last Sunday. I felt good about it too. I'm like, oh yeah, he's back with Hughes and Brad. Well, Sharangovich is gonna he's gonna get at least a few points. He didn't. Spoiler, he just has one assist this week. It's been a very eh week for Yugo Sharon And then I saw my opponent take Dawson Mercer on Tuesday. And I was like, okay, great. That's a bit of a waste of an ad. Like, I'm not nervous about that. And we know how the rest of the story goes. Dawson Mercer went into last Sunday's games already on a bit of a roll with three points in two games and a monster eight-shot game uh, on the Saturday. So this is like eight days ago now. And I don't know why I didn't pay maybe a little more mind to that. I guess I was just too in love with Sharon Govich on that top line where he produces. But then Dawson Mercer did something that he doesn't often do, which is he kept rolling all week long. First, Mercer scored two goals on four shots. And I was like, yeah, okay he does that like bad luck for me it's not gonna last then Mercer scored a goal on three shots in his next game next game he scored twice on three shots and his next game he scored once on his only shot altogether this adds up to six goals on Mercer's last 11 shots one of those on the power play um what can I say Dawson Mercer is in a great spot right now he's super hot uh, he's scoring on more than half the shots he takes. Imagine the power you must feel when things are going this well for you for so long that it's more likely than not. If you're looking at your recent output that the puck is going to go in when it leaves your stick and makes it to the net. So Mercer's on fire. It's great for him. Um, but of course we'll watch and see exactly what happens to him with Myers arrival, right? Cause now that Myers in the picture, that means that Mercer Shreya and Tomasz Tatar are vulnerable. Uh, I I assume Tatar is going to be the one booted out of the top six, but maybe Mercer does go down and uh, and play on the third line too, where we've seen him through the year. So we'll keep watching. Uh, we also know that Palat, I, I didn't mention this before, Elon, Palat is obviously, or you mentioned it enough, Palat is going to get the boot off the top power play. Uh, this makes a, a really great team even greater. Uh, so Dawson Mercer, I, he's not someone like I'm desperate to hold on to. I think it's like a thank you very much and I'll, I'll see you next time I need you situation. Uh, but it's nice to see, especially the shots coming, like Mercer putting up that eight-shot game and then having four and three shots isn't something he does often. Often it is like these one, two-shot outings. So a nice... Nice week from him. I don't expect him to have another week this good for the rest of the season. So if you had him from this week, congratulations. Enjoy that production. And then I guess you can look at your roster and decide how many more games you want to give him in your lineup.
1: Wow. Okay. I was going to ask you if it's like a pause the pod, go out and get him ASAP. You're like being like already like get ready to drop him while he's still in the middle of this run. I think if he's still in the top six, I'm holding like for sure. And by the way, New Jersey has a good schedule next week, Wednesday, Friday, Sunday, and then the Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday are all super busy. He, more on that in the uh, matchup maximizer podcast, which we dropped yesterday. Uh, but yeah, definitely I'd be holding him and I would be rushing to grab him if he was still available in any of my leagues. But I guess Brian is uh, taking out that uh, bucket of cold water here.
0: I, yeah, and I, maybe I'm just bitter, honestly. Maybe this is because I didn't add Dawson Mercer. I had Sharon Govich, although the Devils do play Wednesday, Friday, Sunday, three off nights this week. And especially with Meyer coming into the lineup, I would be curious to just wait and see exactly what Mercer's role is from here on out. Uh, I, I'm not saying to turf him real quick. I'm saying if he doesn't do anything for you for another game or two. i Listen, this is coming from someone who has had the Dawson Mercer experience repeatedly uh, through Mercer's brief. NHL career. He's been on my fantasy team for several moments where I thought he was going to turn into something more, and he hasn't. So this is me, uh, colored by my experience, but also speaking from experience, which I think is is useful.
1: I guess he's super young though, uh, but yeah, for sure, there's a very good chance that he'll be super cold next week. We had this yeah, conversation. I, with- I chose my words yeah. very
0: carefully. I said maybe yeah. he won't have another week like this for the rest of the year, but next year he's going to be another year older, another year more. Like I'm not saying Dawson Mercer can't be great. I'm just saying that this is probably his peak of the season.
1: Well, yeah, you would think eight goals in six games is the peak, but it's yeah. <laughs> gonna be trouble. But anyways, okay. I think we're, we get what you're saying. Uh, I guess since we're on New Jersey, yeah, you said a great team getting even greater. Uh, over in net, they have taken a hit. Blackwood is hurt, but really, is that a hit? Because Akira Schmidt came in, and he's the one who was in net for uh, for that shutout against Philly in his first game since January 5th. So he's obviously very capable, maybe even better than Blackwood at this point. Uh, maybe you know, if there were no contracts and no concerns at all, New Jersey could just play whatever goalies they want and wave whatever goalies they want, and you know, bring them up. I maybe Schmid would be the backup, but either way, Vanacek has actually had a couple rough outings recently. I'm assuming that we're just going to assume that Vanacek is still like the volume starter, and like even if Akira Schmid got a shutout, it's like we're going to assume that Vanacek gets the majority of the starts. Or do you think that there's like some reason to be concerned? Like, I mean, it's like it's like two rough outings for Vanacek and like one good outing recently for Schmid. So just wanted to bring it up quickly.
0: Yeah, I think it's worth um, mentioning. I guess the o- the only thing I'll. Say, like, I, I agree, Elon, Vanacek is the, the Devils starter. I guess we're just getting to that point of the season where once the Devils' playoff fate is determined, they might want to rest Vanacek a little more often as they get toward closer to the playoffs. So I don't think Schmidt is going to steal starts. Like, Schmidt's good start, the short answer is it doesn't change anything for the Devils, right? We're just still going to at least be aware if you do roster Vanacek that over the rest of the season as the Devils... Playoff picture becomes clear and more is set. We might see a little less of him.
1: Okay, and then let's look at the San Jose side of this trade where they lose Timo Meyer. And I'm starting to get a little worried about one Tomas Hurdle, who's been having a solid season playing with Meyer up until recently, where Meyer sat out for a couple games, and Hurdle happens to be in a cold streak, one point in five games. Just basically the same as Meyer's cold streak (laughs) that he's on. But now Hurdle has to try to get out of it without help from Meyer. I don't even know if it's worth like diving into oh who gets like that top power play spot. Like, okay, in the last game, it was Couture Hurdle. Barabanov and nick Benino on the top power play so i guess we could what? be throwing out nick Benino as like he's the palat basically now uh you know bottom six but top power play we'll see if that lasts if you if you're in a super deep league i guess it's a little bit of a bump but yeah I'm, I'm more concerned to just get your take on meyer here who's yeah currently pacing for 69 points uh his career high is 79 i'm worried that he could go down to like more of a 60 point pace moving forward like uh I just, uh, you know, I mean, they have Eric Carlson still for now, but it's not too much to work with for Hurdle. I guess I could also tell you who he's been playing with at even strength: Hurdle, Martin Kout, and Noah Gregor. Those were his line mates in that last game against Chicago. And yeah, you wouldn't be surprised to see that he got no points, only took one shot. Actually, in his previous two games before this this game against Chicago, zero shots in two straight games. So I'm I'm pretty nervous about Hurdle. I have him in one league. I'm in the playoffs, and I really wish that this trade deadline could happen like later.
0: Yeah, it's it's not great news for anybody, uh, for anyone in San Jose, right? This is bad news for Hurdle. This is bad news for Carlson. Uh, I guess I'll keep an eye on a couple guys who you you didn't mention, and uh, they are players who've played a lot with Hurdle and Meyer over the course of the season, except they were both on Logan Couture's line in the last game, and that's Michael Acemont and Alex Barabanov. So Acemont uh, has seven straight games where he's put up three or more shots on goal so th- there's some value there if that's a category for you um but he's been doing this for a while like AC Mon has been like since he was claimed off waivers from Winnipeg earlier in the year uh, since he joined San Jose his role was kind of smallish but over his last 10 games he's taken 40 shots four shots per game I wonder if he shoots more and if AC Mon shoots more I wonder like uh, this is crazy, okay, because, like, we're going deep here, but I wonder if he scores more. Like, Acey Mont's expected goals rates at 5-on-5 five five are actually really impressive. He has eight expected 5-on-5 five five goals with San Jose, but he's only scored three, and he's shooting sub-5% at all strengths. He is also only participating on 40% of the goals scored while he's on the ice, which is probably at least 20% less than we would reasonably expect from him just because he's a forward and that's generally as low as a forward participates. So either AC Mont is good and he's just been unlucky, or he's not that great, but brute forces some impressive, fancy stats, and doesn't have any actual finish to back it up. But he's someone I'd love to see a little bit more from Uh, Dauber prospects has his upside set at like a 50 point player. He's 26 years old, was drafted in the fifth round back in 2016. So not a ton of pedigree. Uh, He's a bit on the smaller side, which to me is a positive rather than negative, but also might explain why he hasn't had much of a shake so far in the league, but he's getting more, than he's ever had before um, with San Jose this year. So if he continues getting decent deployment, uh, I assume the shots will keep coming, and I'm wondering if the goals will at 1.2. And then the other player is Alex Barabanov, who is, I think, going to get to try and be the guy now, right? Like, he looks like a good player. He looks creative, not, like, fully well-rounded and certainly not as dominant as Timo Meyer. Few players in the league are. But we'll see if Barabanov can do anything with this opportunity now that he is going to be he's the best winger on the team now so i think they're going to be looking for something from him and he's going to have a chance to prove himself in a way that he hasn't totally yet so barabanov and ac are two guys i'm looking at believe it or not elon even more than nick benino
1: you know what man that's just kind of sad when you say that barabanov is their best winger it's going to be a rough end of the season but i guess that's what you want right because then they could maybe go and get connor bedard uh obviously like eklund one day soon will be their best winger, but uh it seems like the sharks don't have any plans to bring him up, at least for now. Uh all right, so that's that trade. Brian, we still have like a lot more to get to because this isn't something that wasn't even originally planned to be on the show. So we're gonna get next to a bunch of injuries and we'll cover some more trades along the way. Uh we'll be back in just a second listen to Keeping Carlson. All right, we are back. We've covered Meyer for now. Again, like the short shifts guys Lewis, Shams, Jeremy. They'll for sure look into the lines once we get it and like, you know, the actual games that happen throughout the week on Tuesday and Thursday. You definitely want to be subscribed to Keeping Carlson in order to make sure you're going to get all of those episodes. Uh, but in the meantime, Brian, I want to talk about an injury here on Winnipeg. Cole Perfetti likely out for the season on it, on its face it's not like the most fantasy relevant piece of news just because Perfetti hasn't been worth rostering for most of the season he's had little runs and he's always gotten good deployment like he played a lot with Shifley and Wheeler and then lately the lines have been shifting around a lot anyways Perfetti's gone but it's like kind of perfect timing or maybe it's like not a coincidence that Winnipeg decided to give a, a pick away to trade for Nino Niederreiter from Nashville so all of a sudden now Niederreiter is likely i'd assume and again, this is just me assuming, I could be totally wrong, but I'd assume he's going to slot into one of these top six spots that that Perfetti was taking. So in the last game for Winnipeg, they were rolling with Ehlers, Shifley, and Wheeler, and then Dubois, Connor, and Sam Gagne. So I don't know, like, it's just a guess, but I'm assuming that there's a decent chance that Nino Niederreiter could end up slotting in with Dubois and Kyle Connor, or or they could shake up that top six again, but, you know, play with two of these really good five players. So I become a little bit interested. Like, it's not like Niederreiter hasn't gotten okay deployment in Nashville like recently he was playing with Matt Duchesne but you know things weren't going like super well for him there offensively though uh, recently we're looking at four points in Niederreiter's final three games with Nashville so he is kind of holding a hot stick right now he's likely to get onto a good line so Brian I'm curious to get your take on if you would be looking into free agency to grab Nino Niederreiter if he's out there
0: Yeah, I'm at least considering it. Like, this puts Nino Nidorider back on my fantasy radar, uh, just... Because, well, as you said, Elon, it seems pretty easy to calculate where Rider might fit into the Jets lineup. Perfetti's injured; he's gone, and you know Niederreiter, the new arrival, can step right back in. Right now, uh, t- in today's game, Sam Gagne was holding that place in the lineup with uh, Pierre-Luc Dubois and Kyle Connor. I expect, you know, that again, like Gagné to just be a placeholder there, and for Niederreiter, when he does start playing as a Jet, I expect him to have value that falls between. Perfetti, Wheeler, like somewhere in there, maybe like a Igor Sharangovich mentioned earlier in the show. Uh, I think my biggest concern for Nita Ryder, though, is that Winnipeg has bigger problems right now than just missing Perfetti. They were shut out for nothing today by the Isles, and this was on home ice, too. So now the Jets have been outscored 11-2 to in three straight losses. Uh, they did put up a win against the Rangers before that run of three losses, but then before that win they were outscored 7-3 in two previous losses so that all means they've lost five of six been outscored handily and they don't have a lot of time to figure things out they can't just keep relying on Connor Hellebuck to keep them in game so we'll see how much Nino can contribute to the cause but it's not a slam dunk that he's going to be valuable but if you've ever put any hope into, uh, like I said, uh, Cole Perfetti or Blake Wheeler or Igor Sharangovich this year, then I think you can put a similar sort of hope into Nino Niederreiter.
1: Yeah. Uh, blank I, blank O is how we're starting the show today on Keeping Carlson. But I don't know if that's an episode title for you. We've got, we did Timo. Now we're doing Nino. Are there any others in the league that we'll be able to get to next?
0: Well, there's Bonino. Bo Nino
1: oh yeah that's true uh okay well we already covered him as well uh but then looking over on the nashville side uh it's kind of interesting so they lose niederreiter and nashville's in like an interesting spot currently where there's a lot of interesting players fantasy wise that are like low rostered which is kind of our bread and butter here right because yeah if like philip forsberg was doing well we could mention it but no one can actually add him in our league uh but uh, you know nashville has a lot of guys that low percent roster that are doing really well like i'm looking at players like uh mccal grandland first of all has been you know dropped in a lot of leagues he's really heating up lately and then like kind of some lower like name players like players that maybe some listeners haven't heard of like Tommy Novak eight points in his last four games uh, has been playing on the top power play Nashville's is actually in the middle of a game right now versus Arizona so I'm just going to go to uh, frozen tools here and check out the lines in this current game and yeah Novak glass Grandland Duchesne have, and yozy have been on a power plane and so Novak is looking really good Brian I grabbed him in my dynasty league when he first got called up he's looking like maybe this is a real keeper not just uh, a nobody here so I'm excited about him uh, Phil Tomasino an actor- Actual prospect with a pet with a big pedigree, unlike Tommy Novak, has also been hot. He's been getting points pretty much every game since he got called up, and today is no exception. I'm seeing that uh, Tomasino has an assist on a Yakov Trenin goal. Oh! Yosi just scored, assisted by Tommy Novak. So Novak and Tomasino, both and by the way, Cody Glass, someone who we were talking about before, we were excited about his deployment. He has a point today as well. So there's some young, exciting players on Nashville that are obviously like excited and ready to step into any role that a Rider will leave open. Uh, right now, Novak seems the most exciting. Getting a top six and top power play role. Are these guys that you're ready to jump on? Like I, I'd assume you'll say that Grandland is like the Nashville forward that you would want the most but maybe not actually novak is actually on a hotter streak so i'm curious to say outside of philip forsberg who would you add to your let's say you have an open spot right now on your full team you have to add a nashville player and uh, you could take anyone, aside from Forsberg. Who who would you take? Oh, or Duchesne. You can't take Duchesne. Okay, all okay. right. I was going to,
0: yeah. I, I I knew you meant it, but I was still going to run with that anyway. I I think I'd go with Granlund just because he's the most talented. And when Forsberg's back, he's, he's the most likely to still find himself in a pretty good situation. Um, but Novak is definitely worth, worth a look. I'll channel my inner Rosie O'Donnell here. Tommy, can you hear me? Did you ever watch... Uh, this is too long ago for probably most people <laughs> listening. Uh, okay, well, so Novak had like this other streaky run a little while back when he made his first appearances for Nashville this season. He had eight points in 10 games in December and January. And now with this current run that Tommy Novak is on, uh, he's on a 62-point pace, four goals in his last four games. Uh, the The downside of those four goals is that they've come on just six shots, so you're not going to get a whole lot of goals while you are taking just six shots on net over four games, uh, which is like one and a half shots per game on average Um, Novak sort of has this reputation though as a past first player from his time as a pro so far, he's a third rounder 85th overall back in 2015 he's now 25 years old and really just getting his NHL career started after having been basically a point per game player in the HL over the last four seasons, but that point per game production has been super heavy On assists. So it's actually strange to see him finally come up, get his first taste of the NHL, and suddenly start scoring, which he's at a a rate he never has. Um, All of Nashville has been doing that, though. They've been on fire lately. I don't know if you remember, Elon, but on a show, I think it was last week, they had scored seven against Florida. I'm like, okay, all right, I'm not going to get too excited about any of these single-game performances here that the Predators put up against Florida. Bob had a bad game. They only took 26 shots. And then, sure enough, uh, followed up – the Preds have followed that up with 14 goals in their next three games, still not shooting very much, like still 26-26, 31 shots, and now they're scoring on Arizona too. Altogether um, – Nashville is shooting nearly 20% as a team over this run. So I, I think, uh, yeah, like this is all for me to say, like, go ahead and get get your Tommy Novak, get your Mikhail Granlund, go ahead and get your Philip Tomasino, but the good times are not going to keep rolling here in Nashville. I don't think I'm going to get fooled by, uh, by the team shooting at least twice, uh, scoring on at least twice as many shots as they should for a whole lot longer. I guess the, the risk here is I'm going to be reverse fooled where they are going to keep doing that somehow against the odds for another few games. It's like, it's basically Dawson Mercer, Elon, but as a full team.
1: <laughs> Brian, here's my, here's my question to you, though. Like, you're saying you think that they're, you know, not going to be able to score on as many of, of their shots as they have been, which makes sense. Is there any, like, room for possibility, though, that we should open that Maybe they'll just start shooting more? or do you think like or is that like harder to assume will happen because i guess it's a whole season like is this like a more recent thing that they haven't been shooting a lot or you're just basing this on like they're just not a team that shoots enough to score this many goals
0: i think they're just not a team that shoots a- enough to score this many goals like their shots seem to like rise and fall but over the last like i'm going back i'm going through their numbers since i guess i can stop at the new year Um, And if I'm trying to do some quick math, they have 600 shots. Oh, that's easy. 600 shots in their last 20 games. So it's about 30 shots a game, which is just shy of what the league average is right now, which is 31 shots per game. And to me, that suggests that, yeah, they are a a lower shooting team. Like, there's no indication here that they're trending up in shots. If anything, they are taking fewer shots than ever. However, that also might be a function of the fact that they're scoring every time they take a shot, which means that they are then being less offensive, right? They're like, okay, guys, we're not going to shoot the puck a whole lot. We're not going to generate huge chances. We're not going to take risks. We're just going to play safe defensive hockey. So it's hard to, to really ascertain all of it here, Elon. But my guess is that uh, Nashville continues being, at, at best, a league average shot-taking team And their shooting percentage as a whole team regresses to the point that guys like Tommy Novak and Philip Tomasino and even Mikhail Grenland aren't that really rosterable. We go back to just, you know, Duchesne, Forsberg, Yosi, Saros. Man
1: this you're you're like uh really pouring bummer. the cold water because t- like i will point out uh tommy novak now has nine points in his last four games so we could have a lower he's shooting on percentage a, he's
0: on a 62 point pace he's doing well and this and is he, the first and, we've seen
1: and yeah. he's on a line with Duchesne and granland and he's on the top power play i feel like it's like easy to just pick like, oh they're having a high shooting percentage don't worry he's not gonna end up being anything but it's like I think I have a, I think I'm pointing out a guy who's looking like a pretty good ad in fantasy here. I don't want to just completely say like, don't yeah. forget about Tommy
0: Novak. He's nothing. Okay, it's like he's I'm, doing good. <laughs> I'll just I'll repeat the core my core point here on Novak, which is that he's getting a lot of his points via goals. He's getting a lot of assists too, and that's good. But expect the goals to dry up. If if the assists stay, he's barely like I think he's fringe rosterable, and there's no shots to go with those assists. So that that's the picture. I'm painting here and I'm Fair. sorry that it's not exciting for your
1: personal fantasies <laughs> dynasty situation. All right. All right. I'm going to drop them. F- forget that. No, guy. don't do that. <laughs> okay. All right. Uh, next injury here. So we have an Alex tuck injury over in Buffalo. And it was like one of these things where it kind of got announced that he was on the IR and we didn't even know the reason. I think since we've seen that it's like an upper body. Oh no, uh, I, look at this. Brian, by the way, new feature for gamedaytweets.com. We have the news section. That's been there for a while. Just recently, uh, I added uh, the ability to filter by player. So now I could just bring up the Alex Tuck page on gamedaytweets.com for news. And of course, Shams, always up to date. So I see here a tweet here from Heather Engel uh, Kevin Adams says Alex Tuck is week to week with a lower body injury on the longer side of week to week anticipates he'll be back before the end of the regular season so the Sabres will have to continue their playoff aspirations without him but at the same time uh, we're gonna have to figure something out for fantasy right because Tuck is having such an incredible season Brian like underrated like I feel like we haven't even talked about him like that that much I know we talk sometimes about how Alex Tuck is like good and you like him but he has 62 points in 57 games he's pacing for like 90 something point he's pacing for more points than Jack Eichel and Jack Eichel is the person like that he was traded for along with like the Sabers got Tuck Krebs and a 2022 first that turned into Noah Ostland, who I know or Ostland that I know people are really into as, as a good prospect. It's looking really good. I would say for Buffalo on that trade in the short term, obviously Eichel still has a great upside and hasn't been the most uh, great season over in Vegas with injuries. Uh, But all that said, Alex Tuck is out. This opens up a huge opening for the Sabres, right? Because that line with Thompson and Skinner has been great all season. Obviously a key part of why Tuck has been able to produce so much. And of course, Tuck's been on the top power play Uh, In the most recent game, which was today versus Washington, I'm seeing it was Jack Quinn on the top line with Skinner and Thompson. And then I'm seeing Victor Olofsson taking tuck spot on the top power play with Cousins, Thompson and Skinner and Thompson oh daleen has been out this game also I'm noticing yeah he I saw he's day-to-day so not that big a deal so Owen Power's been on the top power play so I guess a couple things first of all Owen Power very interesting while uh, Dalin is out and then either Jack Quinn and or Victor Olofsson now get more exciting with Tuck out so Brian want to give a quick rundown on why you're not interested in Jack Quinn Victor Olofsson or Owen Power
0: no, because I am interested in them, Elon. I'm not uh, I'm not going to fall into that <laughs> trap that you've just set. There was a bit of line shuffling happening in Buffalo lately anyway, but Jack Quinn, uh, you, you really summarized it, Elon. On line one, that had a successful, I mean, Buffalo just hammered the caps today, right? So Jack Quinn on that top line, that top line won the goals battle 2-1, and Quinn had an assist on both those goals, but he didn't take a shot in 13 and a half minutes of ice time. Then you have Vinny Henestrosa making his his triumphant return to the NHL uh, as a call-up to play on that second line with Casey Middlestat and Dylan Cousins, and that second line won the goals battle 3-1, to one, and hinistroza had one of those goals and assist on another in 14 and a half minutes of ice, along with three shots on goal. Both these guys seem like a pretty interesting add to me, and then you've got Victor Olofsson, yeah, going up to the top power play where he's been for a while, but he's not he's still not doing a lot like a lot of one and zero shot games including the most recent one where he took just a single shot in 16 and a half minutes so like if i'm going exactly by the numbers here which saber i want to add with tuck out if if the last lines stay the same for the next game then i'd be going Hinestroza, quinn and olivson and elon i'm wondering if you can talk me out of that order
1: yeah you're wrong about Hinnestroza, I think like he's for sure going to get bumped down at some point. Like I guess not for sure, but like why they
0: won? His line okay, dominated maybe for one more game. He's he Vinny did well.
1: H- okay, fine. So you could go and add Vinny Hinnestroza. I hope that it's not a it's okay. A just put them ads. in order.
0: Put them in order for me.
1: I will go Olafson first, then Quinn, then who are some other options here before I could put before Hinojosa. Oh well, I didn't.
0: I didn't even mention Owen Tyson, Power Tyson Jost. <laughs> oh my god get out of here you're just maybe mad about you're just mad that i uh hurt novak's trade value for <laughs> you
1: maybe you're right i don't know it was a good game for Hinostróza. he's just been such like a i feel i'm playing the brian now i'm just like he's done nothing for so long Hinostróza
0: played the the more time than jack quinn
1: yeah yeah maybe yeah. you're right okay i shouldn't say that but all interesting i guess we'll wait for the nine Lions points in 11 games in the AHL. okay okay check the lines I, I take it all back i wish i could just delete this part of the podcast but we're not doing edits today as we decided so we're just gonna go forward with it hinestrosa if he stays on the top i want anyone up playing with tage thompson right that's that's really the point But that's
0: jack quinn
1: <laughs> yeah well you're saying that hinestrosa was there at some point
0: no i'm saying he was on the second line and doing well
1: well i'm seeing here on uh, frozen tools that there was one minute and 50 seconds where skinner <laughs> hinestrosa and thompson played together so who <laughs> yeah. knows Well, seems like we're going to maybe see some new lines next game. So you're going to have to follow at game day lines to see, uh, but yeah, so there's an opening here. here. Names names don't
0: matter guy with, so would you prefer the guy playing with Tage at even strength versus the guy playing on power play one? So like, let's say this is a last game. It would be Quinn versus all Who would you rather?
1: Yeah, it's tricky. I guess it depends obviously who Olofsson is playing with at even strength, but Jeff, he's playing with Krebs and Paterka, which is like great players for the future. uh, I don't know. It's very close. I don't know. I would probably take the guy on the top line, I guess, if I had to pick one.
0: Okay. So Jack Quinn first.
1: Yeah. If well, yeah. But of course, the problem is that if the lines could change mid-game, that makes him less exciting as opposed to someone who you think is like, more locked in. Anyway, and then like I mentioned, I don't think it's for long, but Dahlin is day-to-day. So for any games that you could get Owen Power while he's on the top power play, did he get any points today in this game against Washington? Ah, I see. It's one assist for Owen Power, not on the power play, but he had lots of time. So could have so he's obviously more interesting Uh, next injury I wanted to bring up is over in Philadelphia where Travis Konechny is on the IR he has an upper body injury Uh, we don't know exactly how long he'll be out but man Philly looks a lot less interesting without Konechny in the lineup also without Sean Couturier all season like this is a team that could have had some interesting offensive opportunities but now like remember when Kevin Hayes was someone that we were super interested in Hayes now just one assist in his last seven games like every player on Philly is cold like we talked about how they just got whipped by New Jersey 7-0 Konechny wasn't cold five points in three games he had a cold stretch but he was finally heating up before this unfortunate injury Brian, I'm just going to throw it out there. Like, is there any Philadelphia forward worth holding right now with connecting out? Like, I think I'm going to take one of those Nashville guys, like a Tomasino, Novak, Grandlin, give me like Jack Quinn, I think over every Philly forward. Like if I'm talking about for next week, like just right now, I'm trying to win a playoff matchup or like I'm trying to get into the playoffs. I just don't see a reason to hold a Philly forward. But please uh, tell me why you disagree if you you do, because there's probably like a lot of them available in free agency right now, including Kevin Hayes. I'll bet you he's getting dropped all over the place.
0: Yeah, he is getting dropped all over the place, and for good reason. I mean, it says a lot as we've, as we've followed Travis Connectney's success this season. The common line is that he has been a participant on, or at one point, 90% of the goals scored while he's on the ice, and that just speaks to how central a role he plays. You know, usually we'd say, oh, that's not sustainable, but with connecting, we're like, well, that is the only way Philly scores. Right? Like he was important to either creating the goal or scoring it himself. And you wonder just where the offense is gonna come from. When you look up and down this Flyer's death chart, um, I don't see anybody who's shown any measure of consistency or ability to drive a line here. Um, like I'm I'm trying to even stretch the definition of that, and I'm really, really failing. In fact, Elon, like it's just gonna be a painful like for i have tony d'angelo like you keep asking about philly forwards i don't know about philly d D tony d'angelo plays twice this week and he has done a a whole lot of nothing himself lately too last week you asked me about him because he had been quiet i'm like he's still shooting don't worry and then of course he was shotless (laughs) earlier this week had one hit other than that it was a cardio session for him but he has a he is pointing, but not very often. Just three points in his last nine games. Now those three points came in his last four, but he's also only taken seven shots in his last four games. This is Tony D'Angelo, who I am not contemplating dropping. Like I think I need him, but if push comes to shove, and it comes down to it, like I with Konechny out, this is basically me saying with Konechny out, it's going to be a tough slog for anybody in a Flyers jersey to put up points. And there might be some other names, like James Van Riemsdyk could be somebody who's going to be traded and out the door soon enough too. So I, I, I'm I'm excited to see if anyone can prove me wrong. But yeah, Elon, it looks pretty sad in that Philadelphia lineup.
1: Yeah, and, and let's not forget in net, we were talking about now forwards and D, Carter Hart, who was having this nice bounce back season and looking like the high pedigree prospect that we expected him to be after a couple down years. He's slipping big lately. I don't know if it's his fault, but he's had now four straight sub 900 save percentage games. I mean, yeah. To put things into more context, with how bad Philly has been, like they are like two seven and one in February so far. According to this tweet I have from uh, Jordan Hall, uh, they're letting or they're scoring only one point eight goals a game. They're like letting in four goals per game. So like, even if Carter Hart has a good game, it's unlikely they'll get the win because there's no one to score, and he's like letting in lots of goals. Like, I just wonder, Brian, at this point you know, you're saying you're worried about D'Angelo. What if you have Carter Hart? Like, can you afford, like maybe in a league where volume is valuable, then sure. But like Erson also has come in and done okay. So who knows if he gets more games, but even regardless, like let's say if you're talking about like a categories league where you actually care about your save percentage and your goals against average, can you afford to start Hart at this point? Or is he becoming like too risky?
0: I would be afraid to start Carter Hart. Like in any league where anything other than volume is going to hurt you, uh, like, like volume is the one reason a better frame volume is the best reason the only reason to roster Carter Hart uh, he can play his heart out and no pun intended that would be way too cheesy and it still wouldn't be enough in fact Elon like you mentioned his last four starts have been sub 900 but I'm looking over his last month in Carter Hart's last nine games Um, He is playing 22 save points above his expected Fenwick save percentage. So a 955 versus the expected 933 at five on five. This guy's standing on his head. That's better than he's played all season long. And he's had some great runs earlier in the year, too. Sort of had like a peak valley. And technically, he's in another peak, although you wouldn't know it just by looking at the save percentages that he's been putting up. There's been some bad in there, too. But Carter Hart is having a great year. Unfortunately, it's not going to help any fantasy managers unless your league counts performance above expected for a goalie or volume. Those are the two ways Carter Hart will help you. If he's not doing that for you, then there's not a whole lot else he can.
1: Yeah, wouldn't be surprised to see him dropped in some leagues pretty soon. So it's a bummer. I'd love to see Carter Hart's one of those players, kind of like a John Gibson, who we'll get to later on in the show, actually, kind of like a Veimelka. Like, I'd be curious to see how this goalie would do on like a really good team. Because you you wonder if like, if all of a sudden Carter Hart and Vasilevsky swap teams, I'm sure like Hart isn't as good as Vasilevsky, but maybe he would be like having like one of these seasons where you'd be like, oh, maybe Vesna candidate, you know, because it's just like such a different world. And these it's wild just to think about, these goalies like this is their career like they have a short career they got like 10 years maybe a little more if they're lucky and it's like they spend so much time if you're spending so much time on a bad team like you know this is uh his prime that he uh, i hope at some point he'll get a chance to play on a good team uh but i guess eventually he'll become a ufa uh all right brian we still have a couple more injuries uh, i wanted to look into patrick kane not playing for chicago anymore and what happens there and then uh, we'll have a lot more to get to so we'll get to all that in just a sec you're listening to keeping carlson We are back, Brian, to finish the third period of game one of our doubleheader here tonight on the Mega Show. And next up, I wanted to talk about an injury that on its head, not too much fantasy relevance. Trevor Moore is hurt again in LA. I'm not sure for how long. I guess the interesting thing here is that Kevin Fiala has jumped to the second line in his absence, which is obviously very good news for someone like a Victor Arvidsson or a Phil Deneau, because I feel like they could only be improved in their situation by playing with a Fiala. Just like a Lazat and an Anderson Dolan and all these people have benefited from playing Fiala in the past. Uh so if Fiala sticks on that second line, that pretty much makes the third line useless, right? Like all of a sudden you're Velardi, Lazat, Ayafalo. I don't even think this is like an interesting take or anything. This is just like obvious. Um, you you, the only reason that was an exciting line was because Kevin Fiala was there, right?
0: Yeah, exactly. Same same. deal in, uh, from when he was in Minnesota, right? Like, we weren't looking at any of those guys this year being like, Fiala's gone. Should we consider them? And the answer was an easy no. Last week we were talking about, is Blake Lazat worth following up on? Uh, well, he's worth following up on, but was he worth, like, was he maybe coming into his own? And the answer is no, he wasn't. So if you did uh, get a spec share on Blake Lazat, you can sell that for as much as it costs you, which is hopefully nothing.
1: Yeah, and who knows how long this will last. I don't know how long Trevor Moore is out. But in the meantime, Arvidsson had a goal today. Uh, Deneau, I think a couple of assists in this loss to the Rangers. It was five to two. Yeah, two assists for Deneau. So I think you're, these guys might be available in your free agency. And I think you want a piece of them if they're going to be playing with Fiala. Arvidsson uh, also had a goal a couple games ago. I don't know. He like gets runs hot and cold, right? But I definitely like him more now playing with Fiala instead of Trevor Moore. Uh, another guy on LA that's on a bit of a hot streak that I wanted to touch base with you on is Sean Dursey. I feel like a guy who we've talked about a lot over the season. You generally are like not expecting Jersey to keep up any hot streak that he's on. Whenever I ask you, so I'm curious if you'll have the same tune today because he had a stretch of points in five straight games before going pointless against the Islanders on Friday. And now he's current. Oh, and then pointless again against the Rangers today. So I guess he's already fallen off a bit, but uh, yeah, I just wanted to get your take on Jersey. I have him in uh, our league going into our playoff matchup. Should I drop him? If to to get someone who plays more games?
0: Uh, no, you should hold on to him. And I'm going to try and let you decide whether that's reverse psychology or not. Uh, but for the listeners, Elon, don't listen. I think Dursey is, he's okay, right? Like there's a, he's on a 45 point pace for the for the season. That's about what we could expect. And I think he has overperformed to get to that. 45 point pace with 14 power play points that have largely come from the second unit that's more than what i would expect full season production from the second power play unit to be and jersey of course has only played 58 of the 82 games that we consider a full season so at five on five uh, like definitely kudos to jersey for his production but i think he's probably like a 40 maybe 45 point player um over the course of 82 games in his current deployment situation, which could still be worthwhile to you, right? And it's nice that he goes on these runs from time to time too. Uh, It's been a great year for him. He's proven, oh, he's he's proven to be rosterable for most of the season. So I, I wonder if he will be rosterable the whole rest of the way, especially as I expect the power play points are going to not return uh, like he had a huge stretch in November and December where he pointed in like five or six straight games on the power play, and since then he has uh, let's see three power play points in his last twenty-two for Sean Dersey. So seeing as how that's a big part of how he built this forty-five point pace, that's why I'm expecting him to maybe drop closer to forty by the end of the season.
1: All right, that's reasonable, Brian. I just dropped him, and I added David Krejci, who plays no. You're, you're in trouble now, buddy. Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday for Creechie. Not going to be able to fit okay. him in on... Enter uh,
0: waiver claim on Sean Jersey. <laughs> yeah, there you 35 go.
1: 35 fab. By the way, uh, Andy was saying we should bring up Matt Roy since we're on LA. He did score today. Before that, he was pointless in three. Before that, he had a one goal, one assist game. Anything here? He's had some games with some big shots. Matt Roy is a defenseman on the LA Kings. I don't know if we've talked about very much on Keeping Carlson, uh, but Brian, Andy is uh, one of our top producing patrons in terms of content in our Discord. So how can we not take his request and talk about Matt Roy? Uh,
0: yeah, yeah. Let's, let's talk. I think we have talked about Matt Roy. We, we've covered him also a couple times over the years too. Um, sometimes he produces, more often he doesn't, and uh, good for him. For having a nice little run of production. This is a guy who's been like a 20 point, 25 point player tops through his career. And I expect that to continue to be the case. I don't see anything that's changed, especially because he is now like decidedly, he's actually down in minutes this year compared to the last two. And one of those reasons is the emergence of the recently signed and locked down Mikey Anderson on the top pair with Drew Doughty.
1: Yeah. Okay. So... There you go. There's our Matt Roy content for the evening. By the way, since we're on the Kings also, by the way, today they played Jonathan Quick against the Rangers when Quick had already played the last game. What are you doing? Are and you then, trying to lose?
0: Like, anyway, so Quick... like, that was Quick.
1: Yeah. Uh, what was it? Seven shots, and then he got pulled because he let in three goals, and then Copley came in and did okay, but it wasn't enough because the Rangers were already up, and they ended up winning 5-2. So hopefully the Kings learned their lesson, and, and for Copley managers like myself, I just want to go to the coach and be like, hey, okay, you, you had your fun. Stop trying to make like Jonathan Quick gave you a win. Be like on a back to back. Just be happy with that, and don't try to fly too close to the sun and give him like two games in a row. Don't be don't be dumb here. Okay. I
0: I have feel like the Kings were trying to see if maybe just maybe you know if they want to be like seriously contending for the playoffs and in the first round, uh, couldn't they maybe use Quick to spell Copley just a little? Like is he a half decent? spot-start-backup option for them. And, uh, well, they they got their answer today as they have every other time they've tried to play Jonathan Quick, and that was a resounding no. Right now, they're they're second in uh, the Pacific, right? I'm just looking at their points percentage to, yeah, they're they're basically about tied with the Oilers and uh, considering games played and whatever. And uh, I don't know, it seems like the Kings should probably be in the market for a, a more reliable... Back up at the deadline if they can
1: afford it we'll see yeah the problem is they'd have to get someone to also take quick back but i guess he's the last year of the contract would they
0: though or they just hold on to quick
1: Like and have three goalies
0: well like they don't need to use quick
1: yeah but they can't send him down to the minors and so it's you don't want to be holding three goalies
0: like wasting a roster spot yeah on him yeah well i mean so what would you rather would you rather not have somebody because copley has been he's been okay. He hasn't been as good as he started out. He's still been like, he's had his good days and he's had his bad days. Uh, More, you know, more, more evenly split lately than they were at the start of his run. So what would you rather have an actual backup that you could trust to give Copley some rest and quick in the press box or just get destroyed, you know, one out of every five games when you're forced (laughs) to start
1: quick? No, I think you want another. I think what you do is you go to Arizona, who's always willing to take on contracts. You trade quick, and someone really good and a pick and whatever and get Vemelka and there you go, problem solved. Boom. Oh, and give something even better and then get Chikrin also. Let How many cooking.
0: teams would have their problems immediately solved by Carol Vemelka?
1: I mean, uh, I don't know. Like he would
0: solve a lot. Like he is, he's out there and available. I, I wonder what he's gonna, uh, what he's gonna get on the market because there's a lot of teams who could use someone just like him. Yeah, well, he's cost control medium, and long-term.
1: Yeah, like he's under contract still for a couple years with, for a low amount of money, so yeah, I'd, I'd assume that he would be really valuable to a lot of teams. I don't know if Nashville, or sorry, if Arizona would trade him. Why am I thinking of Nashville? I don't know. Anyway, Brian, let's continue on here with the, uh, not an injury, but yeah, we brought up Patrick Kane and how he's not playing. Apparently, he like, might not get traded. Apparently, it was like he his agent said something, like he needs to like contemplate what he wants to do because Patrick Kane has a no trade clause right so that's the whole thing it's up to him whether he gets traded I've seen tweets about like he only wants to go to the Rangers that's the only team he's considering so I don't even know what the the situation is he sat the last game maybe he's like going to tonight decide you know what I do. He went... Apparently, he flew back to Chicago while the rest of the team went on a road trip to Ca- California. And maybe he, like, was sitting in his room just, like, looking at his photo album of all the good times and trying to decide whether he wants to move on or not. Um, but assuming Kane has played his last game in Chicago, are we in a Philly situation where we just don't have anyone that we're interested in because like specifically, I think the real tricky guy is Max Domi, right? Because he is also someone who's likely to get traded and he's on such a crazy streak, 12 points in his last six games. And he scored a goal and took eight shots in his last game against San Jose. And this was like not playing with Patrick Kane. He was playing on a line with Khrushchev and Athanasiu. Domi was clearly like the best player on the team. I don't think that's an unfair thing to say at this point. So I guess my general question is I've always thought of Domi, Domi, or at least lately, you know, as someone who I'm interested in, if he's on a good line, but I don't think of him as like he's Max Domi. He's like a really good player. I want him, but like, are we getting to a point where we need to consider the possibility that actually now Max Domi is like good again, like we thought he was in his first couple of years of his career? uh Like, if he gets traded somewhere, are we interested, or do you think that's just like no? He w- he needs to have good line mates to be good. I'm just curious to get your current vibe check on Max Domi and his skill, regardless of line mates.
0: Yeah, it's a great question because Max Domi, for the for the first time in his career, his stat line is elite: twelve points in six games, four goals, eight assists. And as you mentioned, Elon, he's got shots to go with it too, which he has not regularly had through his career. Like this is a guy, uh, Max Domi. The last two seasons, he shot he took fewer than two shots per night. And then two seasons before that with Montreal, he took two and a half. But before that with Arizona, also fewer than two shots per night on average. So all of a sudden for him to be taking uh, more than like at least two shots a night and often more, it's huge for him. Has he turned over a new leaf I don't know, Elon, he's 27. He's maybe a tricky guy to really project because it seems that everywhere he's been, in, he's been several places already. For, for To be at this point in his career, 27 years old, and already with his, is this his fifth team? Arizona, Montreal, Columbus, Carolina. I don't even remember him being on Carolina. Do you? Last season uh, he, was, he was with Columbus and Carolina. Elon, who do you think he played more games for? Like, I can't picture him.
1: He started in Columbus... And then he got traded to Carolina, right? Oh, right. He started in Columbus because we
0: were like, maybe he could be that center. That, Yeah. Anyway, he's been around, and I think there's a reason he's been around, which is that a team sees potential in him, and then they don't see him able to sustain you know, any level of two-way play that makes them trust him enough to give him a starring role. Of course, in Chicago, that's like an asset right now to have no two-way play. Like, go out, be exciting, create offense, and do absolutely nothing on defense and we'll be into you. Uh, The thing is that I've also heard that Domi is like his name is in trade rumors too. So he might be on his way out as well. But in the meantime, he's probably enjoying for the first time in his NHL career, getting an opportunity to be the guy and probably to just do whatever the heck he wants out there because the expectations for Chicago are to lose every single night and so even if he scores a couple times his defense will make sure that uh, that's made up for on the other end
1: okay yeah i think that it'll be really fun yeah like i I mentioned that that he's probably going to be on the move but uh, yeah i'm very curious to see how he'll do in a new situation like not with patrick kane if he'll be able to keep up this great season that he's been having uh all right brian so i guess with that we might as well take another break and end part one i've got a lot of fun stuff i think planned for when we come out of the break i want to go through a bunch of defensemen we've talked about a few so far we talked about sean dersey uh we'll see if there's any that you're more interested in just a lot of d on my mind actually like guys on hot streaks guys in new situations guys on like big cold streaks i'm talking about you air neckblad and yes we're gonna do some d and we still got some injuries and uh, or no i guess we did the injuries we got some outries i want to talk about basically goal a bunch of goalies are healthy now that we could get your take on then i got hot and cold streaks i don't know how we're gonna fit it all into an hour but we're gonna do our best to try
0: we have a just as a nice bookend from the start of the show. We finally have the full return from the Timo Meyer trade. Oh. So the Devils get Timo Meyer and uh, like bottom pair defenseman Scott Harrington, and the Sharks get Shakir Mukamadulin, Fabian Zetterland, Andreas Janssen, Nikita Okotiak, a 2023 first and a conditional 2024 first. So uh, there's I don't know who Nikita Okotiak is. But I know Mukama Dulin is like a half-decent prospect, at least. I'll have to look more into these names, but there it is.
1: Yeah, I think clearly the the real return is like these two firsts. Like that's the most exciting part yeah no like i don't feel like any of these guys are players that we're gonna have to like talk about now on san jose is like oh is this person gonna like really do well at least like for this season Um, uh, maybe zetterland could take one like we were talking about a very sparse top six in san jose so actually zetterland could be someone that could get one of those roles like brian you were talking about ac mont or uh you know barabanov like so i feel like zetterland is maybe not that much worse than those guys but yeah it's uh I think it's not bad for Strux. I don't know. I guess we're, I'm not I'm yeah. one of these like big, big guys just give a take on like the trade overall, but I think two firsts for Timo Meyer Can't really complain.
0: Two firsts. And Mukama Dulin is, uh, is a first rounder also from 2020 who's picked 20th overall.
1: Okay. So yeah, yeah. let's see how it turns out. Well, We'll have to check back in in like four or five years and see how this trade worked out for San Jose. All right. So with that, Brian, like I said, we're going to come back with lots more. Hope you enjoyed part one. If you want to listen to more, Just open up your podcast app. If you're subscribed properly, as we, you know, implore you to do, then you should already have part two waiting and ready for you. So we'll talk to you soon. See ya.